Well, thank you all so much for helping us to celebrate and recognize our graduating seniors. You see, I love graduation Sunday. And in fact, it's actually one of my favorite traditions that we celebrate here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. You see, it's not just exciting for the graduates, but it's exciting for our entire church. Because it's a time to look back, but it's also a time to look forward. It's a time to celebrate. And most of all, it's a time to prepare our graduating seniors as they prepare to launch out into the world. It's a time for them to take everything that they have learned from their parents, from their teachers, from their church family, and to put it into practice. You see, the world is a crazy place. And there's so many avenues that you can take, so many voices with opinions, so many decisions to make. And sometimes this can be overwhelming, and many times it's just downright confusing. And so as we prepare to send these students off into the world, I want to bless them with what I think are five very important life lessons. Lessons that I think will bless them as they kind of begin to dip their toe into this immense pool of decision-making that is adulthood. And so this is where we're going to dive off from today. This is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at five lessons that bless these students' lives, but I think the important thing here is that these lessons can bless all of our lives. They're lessons that don't just apply when we're going off to school, when we're leaving home for the first time, but lessons that we can hold near and dear to our heart always. And so I want to dive off from this point together. And so let's, let's just dive headfirst into lesson number one. Lesson number one today is to put God first. And I believe this is the most important lesson, to live every day for God. You see, there's sermon after sermon that talks about this topic, but I think that's because it's an important lesson for us to learn And whether you are sitting in a classroom, in a cubicle at work, or you're simply just out and about in the world, I want you to know that there are always eyes that are seeing what you are doing. They notice what is going on. And when you put God first, people see this. They see this, and this allows you to minister to the people, not just by your example to others, but see, there's also a blessing there for us. God promises us a blessing that when we live in him, when we put him first, that he will establish a path for us. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it states this. It says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now let me ask you this question. Does that mean that if we are in a close relationship with God, that everything will just be sunshine and rainbows? No, it doesn't. Look, look at the example of Job. What, what happened to Job? He lost everything. His family, his land, his own health. But you see, the thing is, is that Job knew his relationship with God
your path straight. He will make your path straight. You see, God doesn't want us to go through life alone. He doesn't want us to question what is next. All God is asking from you and from me is that we put him first. That we humble ourselves, humble ourselves to the point that we put his will above our own. You see, this is what God asks of us. This is life lesson number one. But see, the thing is, is I think that all of the other life lessons we're going to talk about today flow from this very important first lesson. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us this morning to put God first. Our second life lesson this morning is don't confuse movement with progress. You may be sitting there going, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to us? And I want to tell you, and you probably already know this, and this shouldn't come as a shock to you, but young people these days have grown up in a world of constant motion. Whether it's on social media, the news, or just the daily grind of life, our world is constantly in motion. And in this modern era of the self, being busy has wrongly become synonymous with being productive. I want you to hear this. So please pay attention right now. If you get nothing else from this, hear me say this. Just because you are doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot done. Just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean that you're getting a lot done. I love how Henry David Thoreau expresses this in the perfect words. He says, it's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are we busy about? What are we busy about? So let's ask ourselves that question. What are we busy about? Are we busy making an impact in the world for God? Or are we simply so wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of everything that's going on around us that we've forgotten what we're really supposed to be about. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, what does it say? It says, Go out into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, this is what we're supposed to be about. And I want you to think of it in, in much of the same way as if you were to be running in place. You'd be moving a lot. You'd be doing things. You might be working up a sweat. But the problem is, is you're not getting anywhere. You're moving. You're moving a lot, maybe. But you're not getting anywhere. I love the parallel that we see between the words of Henry David Thoreau and the answers that we find in the early life of Jesus. And so for just a brief moment, I want to look at a story from the early years of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 41. Jesus and his parents have gone to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And after the festival, Mary and Joseph pack up their belongings and begin their return home. However, after traveling for about a day, they suddenly realize that Jesus is not with them. And as any parent would do, they panicked. 
They panicked. You see, Jesus was 12 at the time. I don't know how many of you have 12-year-olds, but if your 12-year-old just up and was gone, you didn't know what happened, you didn't know where they went, I think this would be something that would drive panic into all of us. And so Mary and Joseph panicked, and they began searching for Jesus. They didn't find him among all of the people they were traveling with, so they returned to Jerusalem. And it took them three days to search for Jesus. And on the third day, they found Jesus at the temple courts, listening and asking questions of the teachers. You see, Jesus was there. And this is where I want us to focus in for a moment, because this is really the powerful thing that I think comes from this life lesson. So Mary and Joseph finally found their son, and after what must have been just anxiety-ridden few days, Mary walks up to him. And this is where we're going to pick up. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 48 and 49. It says, So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And so when we are challenged by the words of Thoreau to ask the question, what are we busy about? I hope that we will have a similar response to that of Jesus. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You see, in order to be successful in life, we need to be more concerned with progress rather than just movement. We need to be concerned not that we are just busy, but that we are busy about the right things. That we remember the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that we are living our lives from Jesus, for Jesus. Remember, this all flows from the first life lesson, to put God first. And then to be busy about God's work on this earth. Life lesson number three is this. That the joy in life comes from helping others. You see, this is what Jesus modeled for us. And in fact, he teaches us the importance of selflessness over selfishness. You see, the world we live in will tell us and constantly push us into the mindset of focusing solely on me, me, me. It will ask you to think about what can I get out of the situation? How do I get the most? And it becomes about I, I, I. But Jesus teaches us to focus on the mindset of we. We, not me. You see, Jesus is showing us that joy in life comes from helping other people, not helping ourselves. I love the example that he shows us. He shows us to stop listening to the world, to stop focusing on ourselves and start thinking of others more. In the example in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, we see Jesus' attitude of selflessness. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus tells us that we should strive to help the least of these. 
And why does Jesus tell us that? He tells us that because by showing them the love of God, by showing them the love that Jesus showed us, we're showing Jesus the same compassion. Think about it. We receive compassion and mercy from Jesus when he died on the cross. Why then should we not be giving that to other people? The thing we deserve the least, we should be sharing with everyone because this is the great news that we have. We have great news that regardless of who you are, regardless of what you, you've done, that there's a Savior that loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. And that's what we should be sharing with people. That's what we should be preaching. We should be showing them through our actions and our words that we love them. And this leads us into Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, what does this tell us? It tells us that when we let our light shine, that we are glorifying God, that people will come to know God because of what we are doing. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, actions speak louder than words. I want to encourage us all this morning to let our actions speak louder than our words. It's really easy to sit there and say just about anything. But let me tell you, when you are sitting in traffic on the 5 freeway coming home from work and someone cuts you off, (laughs) your actions in that moment will speak louder than your words. Because believe me, I have heard other people from their cars, I've heard their words, and I cannot say them this morning. But here's the thing. It's our actions that speak louder than our words. I want to share with you one more passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. And Paul is encouraging the believers to do something very important. What does he tell them? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You see, the mindset of the church is a mindset of we. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet. We can do nothing alone. It's all of us together. And this is what Jesus is showing us. He's showing us that when we do things together, when we love one another, when we show others the love of God, that we can accomplish so much more. And so the third life lesson for today is that the true, true joy in life comes from helping others. Our next life lesson this morning is to pray daily. You see, going off to college or stepping out into the world for the first time can be a really difficult thing. And just like our moms expect us to call home to check in, so does God. Let me stop here for just one second because I want to give a little side note to our our seniors because I think this is important. Um, Seniors, eye contact. Okay. Don't forget to call home. Don't forget to call home to your parents. Because believe me, you do not want to get a call from your parents when they finally get a hold of you saying, are you alive? Because believe me, I've been there and I don't think you want to experience that. Sorry, mom. (laughs) You see, it's important 
that we call home. Just like we call home to our parents, it's the same thing with God. And God doesn't want to just hear from us because he's a concerned parent, but much like your own parents, he wants to hear from you because he wants to continue your relationship. He wants to continue your relationship. You see, sometimes there's this really interesting phenomenon that as physical distance increases between two people, relational intimacy decreases. What does that mean? Well, it's why long-distance relationship can be so difficult because we yearn to spend time with the person that we love. If you're not calling home, if you're not using this technology to reach out to your parents, let me tell you, God doesn't need technology. We've got this really amazing, powerful tool called prayer. And prayer allows us to have this intimate relationship with God. I want you to think about that for a second. What, what does that mean? Well, it means that we have a direct line to the throne room of God. And we, when we pray, it's like a red phone, a direct line ringing. And the red light flashes, and what does God do? Does God go, eh, it can't be that important? No, God runs to the phone. He wants to hear from you. This is a phone call that he has been anticipating. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to pray daily. But I want you to pray when you're thankful, when you're thankful for the good things. And you should be thankful for those things, your parents, your family, all of the blessings in your life. But also pray during the tough times. Pray during the tough times. Be thankful for the pain, the trials, the tribulations that you know are going to come because we all know they're going to come. I want to encourage you to pray for those things. Why? Because God is in it all and through it all, God is molding you into the person that he wants you and knows you can become. Do we know what it, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to focus in on verse 20 for a second, though. And let's read that again. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We're going to stop there. Because I want us to remember that we serve an amazingly powerful and awesome God who desires to be in relationship with us. And prayer is our powerful tool to access that relationship. To have a direct line to God. And so I want to encourage all of us each and every day to get down on our knees and to pray to God. To pray for the good things. To pray for the bad things. To pray because it's about relationship, not about asking a giant vending machine in the sky for the next best thing. It's about that relationship. It's about building and maintaining that relationship regardless of how far or how close we may feel. 
Just like we may be far away from our parents when we go off to college, when we may go do something else, maybe we're taking a job out of state. The important thing is that wherever you go, God is too. And we have to access that relationship. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us here today to pray daily. Our last life lesson this morning is this. It's don't be afraid to fail big. And what, what does this mean? You see, it doesn't mean to just, you know, just go about life, just doing things as you normally would. It means don't be afraid to chase your dreams. Why? Because we serve an awesome God who is there to catch us when we fall. He wants us to succeed and he wants us to know that he loves us. However, chasing our dreams does require two very important things. Those two things are discipline and consistency. But I want to propose to you that discipline and consistency are not just things that we need to achieve our dreams. You see, rather, they are two key factors in our relationship with God. So chase your dreams. Because when our relationship with God is solid and thriving, here's, here's the thing. We've already been equipped with the two things that we need to be successful in life. Consistency and discipline. When we are in right relationship with God, we are equipped to chase our dreams. So chase your dreams. Don't be afraid to fail big. I'm going to say this, and I don't want the parents in the audience to gasp because I'll, I'll qualify it, but take risks. Take risks. Calculated risks. But risks that stem from a close relationship with God. When you take risk that is in a close relationship with God, there's no way that you can fail. I want to share with you Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. And I think this is a great image of just how God provides for us even in the times that feel like failure. Even in the landscapes that just feel like we're just wandering in the desert. I want to share with you this verse. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. It says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Think about that. I don't know about you, but that makes me just stop and go, wow. Wow. We serve an amazing and awesome God. You see, the prophet Isaiah tells us that even in the midst of the most difficult, barren, and desolate landscapes, that our God will make us like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. If that doesn't give you the confidence to take risk, to dream big, then I don't know what will. 
You see, as long as our dreams are in line with what God has planned for our life, then there's no way that we can fail. And there's no way that we shouldn't be chasing the craziest of dreams because of the God that we serve. And so I want to encourage our graduates this morning. I want to encourage all of you, don't be afraid to fail big. Don't be afraid to dream those dreams that maybe felt crazy. Someone's got to do it, right? Why not you? Why not you? Because we have a God that loves us, that supports us, and that will guide us through even the most desolate and barren landscapes. I want to put these life lessons back up here for you so that you can see it. But also I want to offer you some practical ways to apply this to your life. When it comes to putting God first, how do we put God first? Well, we take time out of our day to spend time in the Word of God. And maybe that looks like setting an alarm. And maybe when the alarm goes off, you drop what you're doing and you open your Bible. It could be for five minutes, ten minutes. It could simply be opening the Bible app on your phone and looking at the verse of the day. We've all got to start somewhere. But see, here's the thing. To put God first, we've got to spend time in his word. The second life lesson, don't confuse movement with progress. Well, how do we do that? How do we apply that to our life? Well, you see, the thing is, is the only way to apply that to your life is to be focused on what you are about. You see, it's a question that Henry David Thoreau asked us. What are we busy about. And so maybe there's time that you just choose to take out of your week to say, what am I focusing on this week? Am I focusing on God? Am I focusing on what we've been commissioned to do in Matthew chapter 28? Or am I more focused on the things, the daily grind of everything that's going on around me? And I think this leads perfectly into the third life lesson for this morning is that joy in life comes from helping others. How do we apply lesson number two to our life is lesson number three, helping others. And maybe this is deciding that on a Saturday morning, you're going to focus more on helping others. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to just set aside these three hours from 9 a.m. to noon. And I am going to focus on doing something for someone other than me. We've got a great opportunity coming this Saturday. No, I'm sorry. Um, But you see, the thing is, is that putting others before yourself will bring you joy. Because we're not focusing on ourselves. We're stepping out of the world, out of the culture, out of the way that things are going. And we're helping others. Life lesson number four, to pray daily, I think is pretty self-explanatory on how to apply that to your life. But maybe it's a lot like the first one. Maybe you set a timer and maybe when you read the Bible at the end or the beginning, you say a prayer. And you just thank God for the things that have happened that day or thank him for the things that are going to happen later in the week. Or maybe you ask him to help you in the difficult times. And the last one is don't be afraid to fail big. Don't be afraid to take those steps. Don't be afraid to dream the dreams that maybe you thought were dead a long time ago. 
because we serve a God who is awesome and powerful. You see, this morning, I want to offer an invitation. I want to offer an invitation to anyone sitting in the auditorium here today. I'm going to offer you this invitation, and then I want to speak a blessing over all of us as we leave here today. The invitation is this. If these life lessons are something that you feel like just spoke to you, I want to invite you to come forward. If you feel like maybe you've fallen away from your faith or maybe you've dropped the ball on one of these lessons, you, you need to rededicate yourself to this, to any one of these life lessons. I want to invite you to come forward. Maybe there's someone in our midst this morning who's sitting there who hasn't been baptized, who hasn't committed their life to Christ. If you haven't committed your life to Christ, why not today? We've got a baptistry right here that's most likely warm, but it'll be an experience. If you haven't given your life to Christ, why not come forward today and do that? To make the commitment, to put God first, and all of these other things will flow from that. I want to speak a blessing over all of us this morning. I want to invite the entire congregation to stand as this blessing is read. So please stand. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I pray that as we leave here today, that as we go back out into the world, as we launch these students out into the world, that this is a blessing that we hold in our heart. That we look to God, that he gives us peace, and that we know that he is in control. We're going to continue on in our worship service now with a song of invitation. So if this lesson has spoken to you in any way, we want to invite you to come forward as we sing. We are a moment, you are forever, Lord of the ages, God before time. We are labor, you are eternal, love and